eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, July 7th, 2023. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker. Haven't talked to you in a couple weeks, my friend. It's very good to see you. We're going to chat some recruiting. We're going to talk some uh, 2023 Ohio State football in general. Um, first of all, though, as I have been saying and Dan Rubin has been saying, please subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're watching on YouTube. Helps us out a lot. Makes our bosses happy. So uh, if you're uh, watching on YouTube, you like the show, please subscribe. Helps us out a lot. So thank you very much for that. Let's get to matters of business. Jay Book, Buckeyes land four-star corner, Miles Lockhart. From uh, kind of your backyard there, not quite. I mean, you're in Scottsdale. He's in Chandler, close enough. 5'10", 185. He packs a punch, though. This guy plays physical, number 22 corner in the country, um, number two player in the state of Arizona, according to 24-7 Sports. Your thoughts on this get by the Buckeyes? Before we, before I go on to that, Dave, hey, Fridays haven't been the same without – you and I are here, man. So welcome back. I hope you enjoyed your vacation. I missed you, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I love doing these Friday shows with you. So, uh, yeah, man. And uh, people love hearing from you. If we don't have you on a Friday show, they're like, where's J-Book at? So it's, <laughs> it's good to be back. It's good to be back. And I love coming back to all these commitments and getting another one yesterday. Love it. Absolutely yeah. love it. it. It feels good to be back on the Fridays. But as far as, as, far as Miles Lockhart, Dave, Absolute stud. He was dominant in the state of Arizona, played uh, some of the best teams competition in the state, uh, dominated against their defense, dominated against Chandler when Dylan Rayola was the quarterback over there. I know that defense held Rayola to like 200 yards of interception, had a pedestrian game. Uh, you look at, you know, Saguaro playing against that type of competition. A lot of the, the teams that he played against, Dave, were littered with D1 talent. So he's a heck of a prospect. I truly believe that his rankings really doesn't justify 
what type of talent that he really is. The one thing about these big schools uh, in Arizona, Dave, those kids are typically a little bit ahead fundamentally, fundamentally when it comes to their footwork and their technique at the defense to back position. We saw it from Denzel Burke. When Burke first came in from Ohio State as an athlete as well as Lockhart, starting as a true freshman. And what was what was the saying about Burke in that initial camp? His footwork and his technique was way ahead of the curve for where a true freshman should be. I see those same things in Miles Lockhart, a guy who's going to come in a little bit more ahead of where you would typically think an athlete who's playing both sides of the football would be at. But he's been pretty much been in the Ohio State class for several months now. It's like one of the worst kept secrets that, you know, every single outlet knew that he was in the class already just out of respect for him. Nobody wanted to go out there and just officially announce it. But the crystal balls never change. Heck of a get. I think he's going to be your nickel corner. Uh, if they can go ahead and lock up Aaron Scott, what a tremendous get having three premier corners to help replenish that DB room that desperately needs it. This is why I expected out of Tim Walton. Like I, I really, and it's not just him, you know, Ryan day is doing a great job. Mark Pantone, the entire staff, but um, it took Tim Walton. It makes sense. He's been in the NFL for so long, took him, you know, kind of a year to get going, but um is that what you feel like there's some momentum behind what Tim Walton's doing right now? Tim's doing a heck of a job, Dave. Um, you know, it, I thought that his defensive backs could have played better uh, last year under his leadership. But when you're talking about recruiting, you got to give the man his props, especially if he if he lands Aaron Scott, because you look at Calvin Simpson Hunt going down into Texas, pulling him out, keeping Jermaine Matthews, discovering him before he really blew up to a national level getting that offer into him early, seeing what he could do, going down and getting uh, Davidson Igbenosa from Ole Miss, who's going to potentially be your starter. Now you turn around your next cycle, you get the two top corners from Ohio who are absolute studs. You go out west, you identify Miles Lockhart, who's a beast. You're looking at that DB room over the next couple of years, and you're like, man, uh, it, it's looking real promising. And then you you flip that to 2025 with Darian Brew, who's probably going to be a, a top 25 uh, national player, a five-star guy. Luckily for him, though, Ohio, the state of Ohio has pumped out some absolute gems at the corner position over the last two cycles. But you still got to land them. Uh, still got to land Scott. I, I do believe that they are going to get Scott. But an overall big picture Tip of the cap for Tim Walton because he's doing what he's supposed to do, which is restocking that room of an elite DB talent. Question from Mike on YouTube. Who is your most desired recruit still on the board? He says, mine is KJ Bolden. So we're talking, I mean, a lot of five stars are in on, obviously, Aaron Scott, Dylan Stewart, KJ Bolden. Who's your most desired recruit out of that mix? Or maybe it's somebody else. I'm, I'm definitely going with Dylan Stewart, Dave. Um, the 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 pass the elite pass rusher is something that they desperately need after missing on your top targets last cycle. Getting someone who's going to be able to bend that art, show that flexibility, get after the quarterback, create havoc for uh, those other defense alignment. That is something that we really need in this class. And I think Stewart checks all of those boxes. I was going to say Stewart too, but I think we're being overruled by the people. There's a lot <laughs> yeah, of those. I mean, I'll, I'll take it. I mean, either one. I mean, I, I want all of them, but like KJ Bolden's oh. getting the getting the vote from the people, though. Right. You, you know what? I would say this, Dave. You know, a lot of the people are saying KJ Bolden, 
man, how sweet would it be to go into the heart of Georgia and pulling out a five-star defensive back that the University of Georgia really wants, especially the way that their fans have been running their mouth on social media over the past year. Just just giving them a gut punch and left and landing KJ Bowden would be absolutely beautiful. Big Sim really wants to get this question. He posted it like three times. Probably he didn't realize it was posted. We've all done that. But he says, if Bill is so confident in us landing KJ Bolden, why won't he put a crystal ball in, meaning the Dean? Well, I think you answered your own question. If he was super confident, he'd put a crystal ball in. This is why I have some trepidation with um, KJ Bolden is because one of the crystal balls is for Georgia from Steve Wiltfong. So, you know, I can't talk out of both sides of my mouth. When Steve Wiltfong drops a fong bong in Ohio State's favor, I'm like, boom, there we go. That's as close as you can get to it being a done deal. And I say the same thing about Bill Curlick, the dean. So the fact that Wilt Fong has a crystal ball into the Bulldogs, I don't like that, Jay Book. Yeah, I, I, I will say this, Dave. I think that going into the Ohio State visit, it was a situation to where Ohio State was absolutely playing catch up to Georgia. They were just trying to go ahead and, and get in a race. They've done that. Now Georgia's obviously going to come back and counter things settled down. I know over the weekend, his mom's uh, social media picture showed her dressed in Georgia gear for the 4th of July celebrations. So that right there kind of makes me like, ah, you know, seeing, seeing the mom dressed in Georgia gear, that's kind of a, you know, a hint, hint. So who knows where it's going to go right now. I will say this, though. If they lose uh, KJ Bolden, Dave, it's just going to be a flat-out recruiting miss where a kid wanted to stay close. Last year, um, you know, I want to say this without going into details. I know this kid is going to command a significant amount of NIL money just because of how high profile of a player that he is. The market's going to dictate himself. Last year, Ohio State probably wouldn't even been in the conversation. The way that Ohio State 1870 and the foundation have really stepped their game up there when it comes to NIL, they will be able to go toe to toe with Georgia regardless of what is being offered for this kid. So if he commits to Georgia, it's not going to be because of Ohio State's lack of or willing to be able to step up when it comes to the NIL. It would just be a flat-out uh, Georgia beat Ohio State straight up for a recruit uh, who wanted to stay closer to home. Could this be the year they finished number one? They finished second many times. Those, those have been some of the best classes, going way back to 2002 with Maurice Claret and all those guys, and then – Troy Smith was in that class, Antonio Holmes, A.J. Hawk, Bobby Carpenter, on and on and on. 2013, going a little more recent, that was the crux of the 2014 National Championship team with Ezekiel Elliott and Joey Bosa and all those guys. 2017, great class with Chase Young and Jeff Okuda and J.K. Dobbins, on and on and on and on. Um, those classes all finished number two. So I'm okay if they finish number two, Jay Book is my point. But could this be the year, first time ever Ohio State finishes with the number one class in the country? Can, can they do it? Yes. Will they do it? They need a lot of things to break their way in order to be able to take that that top class because Georgia's probably going to take, you know, upwards to 30 some guys. So the volume alone is going to push Georgia extremely high. In order for Ohio State, and I was just doing the calculations a couple of days ago with the 24-7 class calculator, in order to be able to get into there, you're going to need, as mentioned here, you're going to need KJ. You're going to need uh you're going to need Aaron Scott, you're going to need Edric Houston, you're going to need Dylan Stewart, you're going to need um, Brandon Baker. Those those guys right there all have to break your way 
in order to be able to uh, at least secure that first spot. You're probably going to get the wide receiver from Missouri that they really like. And then you throw in a couple other prospects that they may discover late in the cycle after some game tape from their senior year starts to pop out because it happens every year. But they need a lot of things before their place to get to the number one spot. Can he do it? Yes. But it's, it's going to be a tall task. Another question from Mike that I'm going to get to. I didn't realize this was from him. I just saw this, and I saw Sue responded to it, so I wanted to get to this as well. Going into the Notre Dame game, Ohio State's biggest concern will be dot, 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 question mark. What do you think, Jay Book? Offensive line. Uh, that's that's going to be my biggest concern. What you saw last year against, Ohio, uh, against Notre Dame was an offensive line to absolutely punish Notre Dame up front. That right there, going into that Notre Dame game last year, I remember vividly Ohio State was extremely physical. Once uh, Henderson and Mayan were running downhill with a bad purpose, they were absolutely punishing Notre Dame. Once that fourth quarter came, that Ohio State offensive line was just leaning on them. They took over that game in the running, in the running attack because they were so physical. We have so many question marks with the offensive line going into the season. I don't know if it's going to be uh, established, if they're going to be extremely well coached early on, or it's going to take a period of time for them to jail. But to me, the offensive line, that's going to be your biggest question mark because you better believe Al Golden and Marcus Freeman, they're going to dial it up. And it looks like uh, former Buckeye Javante Jean Baptiste is going to be the starting defense in over there. I agree with you. I mean, I, I, you know, I know Sue made a good point, you know, with, with Hartman there, that was a great get by Notre Dame at quarterback. I mean, they were so deficient at quarterback last year. That's going to do a 180. I mean, he's a really good player. So I can see secondary, but I believe in this secondary and they're going to have a few games under their belt, including, you know, get the laugh track ready, but, uh, but I'm not, I'm not joking. Like Western Kentucky will give them a test as far as the passing defense, like Western right. Kentucky overall won't, they have a terrible defense, but uh, they've got a really good quarterback coming back and, I think by week four, Ohio State's going to be ready to roll. I mean, it won't be easy going to Notre Dame. So I understand secondary being a concern, but I agree with you. My biggest concern would be the offensive line. I need to see it first. Yeah. I'm confident in the guards, but I need to see it from the center. I think Carson Hinsman's going to be a good center. How quickly will he be a good center? And how are the how are the tackles going to be? Josh Fryer and Josh Simmons, presuming those will be the starting tackles. How will they be? I just need to see it first. Yeah. I will say that the secondary, because you look at the talent that they have back there, especially how deep they are at the safety position. Yes, they need to play better than what they did last year. But with having so many key pieces back to that secondary and having the uh, the coaching staff pretty much being able to put those guys all spring in the right spot to be able to go ahead and get continuous reps. When you look at this offensive line, adding in the transfer, they don't have the opportunity to get those continuous reps that you saw the secondary have throughout the spring. So once fall camp opened up, it's like, okay, we don't even know who's going to be the starting left tackle. Are you going to, are you going to move Fryer back over to the right side, move the transfer to the left or keep Fryer over to the left side? Who's going to win the starting uh, center position? So there's so, so many jobs that still haven't even been determined as far as the offensive line. And here's the other thing, Dave, you go into South Bend, your own offense, the crowd is going to be electric. It's going to be loud. You're going to need that veteran leadership. You're going to need, um, you know, Jackson and those guys to be able to communicate with those younger guys. They've never been in a hostile environment like this starting as far as this unit. So it's going to take a lot of communication to make sure that your first year starting quarterback is also on the same page. 
So that's why I say the offensive line, because when you're playing in, in 90 front in front of 90,000 primetime game, I don't know when the kickoff is going to be, but you can bet it's going to be loud. Communication is going to be huge. It's going to be fun. It's a tough schedule again, but it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a fun one going at Notre Dame. At Wisconsin, I really wish that wasn't the week after the Penn State game. They're going to be ready, and Fickle's going to have his boys ready. They actually have a good quarterback, too, at Wisconsin with the transfer Mordecai from SMU. It's going to be a fun schedule. Obviously, Penn State at home, at Michigan to cap the, the regular season. Can't wait. It's going to be here before we know it. Let's talk about the tight ends. Um, Kate Stover coming back, that's huge, coming off a very big season. I think he's going to be a little bit more consistent catching the ball. And we saw once he catches it, he's dangerous out there. He's physical. I think he's going to be a better blocker. I, I expect a lot out of Cade Stover. Get into what you expect out of Cade, and maybe, you know, you think Joe Royer is going to be the main backup, G. Scott Jr., Jelani Thurman. Just get into the tight ends and what you expect from them this year, Jay Book. i say it's a deep tight end room, uh, a veteran-heavy room, so those guys have a lot of big uh, game reps under their belt there. I, I believe Stover's going to be able to continue his hot streak play going into this year. Um, and I would definitely like to see Joe Royer. I think Joe Royer – uh, when he went out, uh, Stover against Georgia, I thought Joe Warrior played solid. We just need uh, Scott to continue to elevate his game. I don't know how much he's going to be an impact player. I see him probably as your third tight end. Uh, and then if they're talking about how gifted uh, Jelani Thurman is, do you have him step up uh, in the situation? I don't know. I believe Thurman can probably see the field some as a true freshman, but I don't think he's going to make a major impact. But you – you have to look at a big picture when it comes to the tight end, Dave. When you when you sit down and you try to rank, okay, who in this offense, sh who should be touching the football, you're obviously going to start with Marvin and Emeka. Then you're going to start, start going down your list. Okay, does uh, Henderson and Mayan come next? Does Chip, you know, does uh, X-Men, does Jalen Pallard? There's so many guys that you look at and say, okay, who should be touching the football until you start getting down to the tight end room. And at that point, okay, how many touches is going to be available for the actual tight ends? So, yes, you want them uh, to play well. I think they will play well. I don't know how big of an impact they're going to be, uh, but we definitely need to make sure that when, the, when, the, when their number is called, Dave, we need them to rise to the occasion. When Stover's number was called against Michigan on critical situations, he didn't rise to the occasion. Uh, he had the opportunity to make game-changing huge plays. He wasn't able to get it done. So even though you may not be uh, an offense to where you're going to be utilizing it like the Georgia tight ends, if your number is called, rise to the occasion, baby, and step up and make a play. Yep, that's right. I, I, I expect he will this year. You're right. There were times last year it wouldn't have been easy catches, but you're right. And he needs to make those catches, and I think he will. All right. Will Carnell Tate get a lot of playing time? By a lot, I don't mean is he going to be like a starter, but like is he going to be in that top four? Because if he's not in the top four, he's going to have the same thing that happened to Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka a couple years ago where they didn't even get a chance to play to the Rose Bowl. And as we all know, the only reason they got a chance to play in the Rose Bowl, uh, play a lot, is because of the guy setting out Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. So do you think Carnell Tate can maybe get past a Jaden Ballard or a Julian Fleming or a Xavier Johnson? Can he get in that top four and get a lot of playing time? Mr. Jonah Booker. If history tells us anything, the answer to that would be no. That's just the way the Brian Hartline operates. No, you know, Marvin and Mecca, they're on the field all the time. X-Man is going to get his reps there. You got to throw Julian in there because the way the Brian Hartline talks, he truly believes Julian Fleming is a first round pick. 
Now, that's to be determined. But if your position coach believes that Julian is that good, they're not going to take reps away from Julian. And you have to find a way for Jaden Bowler to get on the field because he brings a different element to the wide receiver room when it comes to stretching the field back in the safeties off. So you got to get him on the field. So to me, I look at Carnell. He's what? Fifth, sixth <laughs> when it comes to the wide receiver room uh, behind the guys we just mentioned. So can he get some playing time spot duty? Uh, go ahead and cut your teeth on special teams uh, like Olave did. Think about how Chris Olave, Dave, how good was Chris Olave early on in his career on special teams? Remember all those black punts and stuff that he that he was out there uh, on and really making a name for himself. So I could see those younger guys going out there, cutting their teeth on special teams just to get those feet rep and just to say that, hey, I lettered my true freshman year at Ohio State. And then, boom, as that wide receiver room starts to empty out, now you can start getting those younger guys into the rotation. I'm with you on that 100%. All right, let's get to this. Because I, I always use the Marvin Harrison Jr. example. The coaches say he was ready to go as a true freshman, but we weren't just ready to take some of these guys off the field for him. So even if Carnell Tate's ready, are you going to take uh, Mar Marvin Harrison Jr. off the field for him or Emeka Buka off the field for him? Probably not. So I'm with you. Uh, oh, I'll, right. I'll, say, I'll say this, Dave. How, how upset would the Ohio State fans be when you say, hey, and how ludicrous does it really sound when you, when you say, hey, I have two first-round wide receivers and I'm taking them off the field for a true freshman. Right. And you understand. I mean, right. I mean, it's it, it tends to work out well. Whatever Brian Hartline's doing is working, and I'm not going to question it. He recruits his butt <laughs> off, and then he develops these guys. As we know, it's it's one thing to get a five star. You, you still got to develop them. And uh, my goodness, are they uh, turned themselves into wide receiver? You all right? Who's going to be throwing them the ball? I, I just keep thinking it's definitely Kyle McCord. Definitely Kyle McCord in my head. Um, am I not giving Devin Brown enough respect? And I like Devin Brown. I just keep thinking. Man, unless he gets hurt or something crazy happens, I feel like it's McCord's job. Do you concur with that? Where are you at with the quarterbacks? I'm on the McCord train, Dave. And the reason I say that, I think he carried the momentum into the spring. I think Devin Brown's uh, injury, and if I'm not mistaken, it hasn't even been determined if he was clear. There's been a lot of smoke out there that this was more of a ligament issue. So being able to get clear to even grip the football uh, is something that has taken a little bit more time. I'll say this with uh, McCord. Don't underestimate the rapport and the relationship that him and Marvin Harrison Jr. has. Those guys are working out together away from the Woody or I'm sorry, away from practice. They're putting in those extra reps in Philadelphia. He, you know, I, I think it's something to be said to be roommates with those guys, uh, those wide receivers that he's been associated with just having that rapport. And I, and, once fall camp starts, I think it's going to be McCord who gets the first snaps. It's going to take Devin Brown to be able to elevate his play to another level to jump McCord. If he doesn't, then you're going to go into the season with McCord as your starter. But with that being said, before you head into the Notre Dame, because you have three games, that I think you can find an opportunity to get both of these guys some live reps those first three weeks. I don't know about the number 33. For Devin Brown, Dave. I haven't asked you about that. That's nasty work, man. If he wins the job, is he really going to wear that number 33? He really is. He says he's not changing. Like he, it's a shout out to Sammy Ball, um, the first quarterback that was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I love that he knows his football history. He's a, he's like a football historian. I love that. I hate when people are like, <laughs> well, that was but that was before my time. I, I was like, well, Babe Ruth was before our time. Have you heard of him? Like Hank Aaron right. was 
before our time. Like, I love that it does look weird. Don't get me wrong. It reminds me of like, didn't Bernie Sand or Bernie, <laughs> didn't Bernie Kozar, kind of different uh, Bernie. Didn't Bernie, right. yeah, didn't, didn't Bernie Sanders play for the Browns? No. <laughs> um, Bernie Kozar wore like the number 20, I think, in college. Yeah. Didn't Doug Flutie wear something weird like that too? But 33, that's going to be weird. I think we're going to see a lot of number six out there though. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be McCord, but I was just picturing myself like, man, here comes thirty three out there trotting James Laurinaitis as, as your quarterback. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's just going to be ugly out there. Like, what was uh Devin Gardner? It was when he was up there in uh, Michigan. Ninety eight. Running that ninety eight. It was that that was horrible looking for a quarterback position, but. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be important. I think Devin Brown's going to have to really elevate his game to the to another level to beat out McCord. Like if he goes into that that fall camp and he's absolutely just lighting it up and McCord's struggling, then you could probably see a situation to where the doors are open for him to jump. But I just I just keep harping back to the relationship with McCord and Marvin and the the rapport that they have. If you have a guy in Marvin Harrison Jr. Dave who NFL scouts, and I saw this week on Twitter, NFL scouts are supposedly saying Marvin Harrison Jr. is a perfect prospect, meaning that he gets a perfect grade from the NFL scouts. And his high school quarterback, his boy, who has been thrown to him uh, before he got to Ohio State, while he's at Ohio State still working on his craft, is now up. I just think that they're going to give him every opportunity to see if they can continue that magic together. Great stuff, as always, from Jonah Booker. It's great to do another Friday show with you, my friend. Hey, it's good to be back, man. I miss you. Um, and Fridays is not the same when we're not doing our show. <laughs> That's exactly right. I love Fridays with Jay Book. Thank you very much to Jay Book. Thanks to all of you. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. If you haven't already, it really helps. Thanks again to Jay Book. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. We appreciate it very much. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. Have a good weekend. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.